Welcome to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We inspire executives, professionals, and business-savvy women to better their finances and overcome the financial stresses of life. We do all of this by giving the advice you need to identify your goals and the confidence to achieve them so you can retire to a life you love. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to win financially as Michelle draws from years of expertise and talks with today's top business minds about their wins, failures, and best practices. Welcome to Retire to a Life You Love with your host, Michelle Gessner. I'm Wendy McConnell. Now, Michelle, today we're going to be talking about client experiences. You know, what are some of the things what is the type of client you're looking for? Like if, if say I'm looking for a financial person that I need to add to my life. One of the reasons that it, it, it holds me back is I feel like I've done everything wrong and I don't want to be exposed. <laughs> so what do you say to somebody who is, you know, not close to retirement, but not far from retirement that really needs to be getting their, you know, bricks in a row? Yeah. So I think what happens a lot of times is, you know, even if you feel like you know what you're doing, there's that looming question that you have. Do I have enough? Do I have enough to retire? Will I be okay? You may have done a great job of saving. You may have plenty of money, but you still don't know if it's enough and and you won't know and unless it's actually the numbers are, are crunched, right? And the numbers are run. And you know, it, it, what's interesting about this question, you may think that this is a problem that only regular people have, that wealthy pr people don't have this, this question. That's actually not true. Even wealthy people feel like they may not have enough. They have a wealthier lifestyle, so they spend more money. Everyone wants to know, do I have enough? So what I do with, with people as they get closer to retirement, so what's close to retirement, five years out, 10 years out, you know, or even it could be, you know, if they haven't done it before five years out, three years out, I mean, it's coming, right? And when you have the situation of, do I have enough? What I like to do with people is bring them a sense of peace about retiring because retiring is very scary for everyone. All of a sudden you don't have an income coming in and game is over. The game of saving is over. So it's scary uh, from a financial standpoint, also from an emotional standpoint, but financially speaking, what I have done to give people peace of mind, and I think this is the biggest value that financial advisors provide is I stress test the plan. I beat the heck out of it. What I answer the question, what could possibly go wrong, right? What could go wrong? And if we do that in so many different ways and it still works, then you have peace of mind. Then you're, you're not afraid to pull the trigger and retire. So I think that's kind of a high level view of what we do. Well, that's great. Now, uh, coming from somebody who I'm positive I don't have enough. Uh, but again, I still have a, a ways to go. So what are some of the things that um, people should be looking out for leading up to maybe the 10 or five-year mark? So the kinds of questions that you think should maybe get answered from a professional, is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. 
So all kinds of questions. So I think the number one question is, do I have enough? Well, I, am I going to run out of money? All right. So that's obviously a question for number crunching a professional and from all the different standpoints, like I was just saying, stress tested and what could go wrong. But another question is, am I taking advantage of the tax laws? Like, am I doing everything in the most tax efficient way, given the tax laws? And if you don't know the answer to that, that's a question for a CFP, someone like myself, your tax professional, CPA, you know, a tax person, they typically don't answer that question. What they do is they look back and see what you're eligible for, for deductions and how much you owe and all that. But as far as forward-looking tax planning, I, I have yet to meet a CPA that really does that. I'm sure there are some CPAs out there, but most tax folks that tax preparers are not answering the question of what must you do to get the most out of the tax laws for, for the future. So that's a question. And that's um, what you do. And that's what we do. We're doing all kinds of tax modeling. We're playing with the tax rates. Okay. Let's model what, what it looks like with today's tax rates. Let's model what it looks like if taxes go up by X, maybe, you know, 10%, 25%, 50%, you know, across the tax brackets. What does that look like for you? And and what tax strategies are you eligible for that you could take advantage of that you may not even know about? You know, if you're a tax geek, you might know, but most people are not. And they just don't, they don't know they can do certain things. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> I love tax planning. I love it. I geek out every single time. I love it. Um, and I love it when I find a strategy that my client didn't even know about and it can save them money. If not this year, well, then in the future. Um, okay. So that's that's one of the questions. And there's a whole bunch more um, investments. Uh, you know, that's a that's kind of a common one. Is, is my money invested properly? Well, what's the definition of properly? Oh, in my view, investment investment should be invested to your risk tolerance, right? So are you a conservative person? Are you an aggressive investor? Um, when do you need the money? Is it tomorrow? Is it, you know, five years from now? Is it 10 years from now? So the answer to that question is going to depend on all of those things that's personal and customized to you. And then a question I like to ask, and I want my clients to ask is, do you have a low cost investment uh, plan? I mean, do you even know what it's costing you? I, I, I kind of, I kind of uh, cringe when I hear, "Oh, well, it's not costing anything. It doesn't cost anything. I don't get charged anything. It's, it's free." And let me tell you, there is no such thing as free. Maybe you don't know where the costs are coming from, but they're there, and someone needs to teach you what to look for so you understand that. Do you mean like contributing to your four hundred one k? I mean the actual cost of the investments itself. So. There are lots of ways that investment investments are charged, right? There's nothing free, you know, so you, you and I don't want to get too far off into this question, but we could, I mean, you can, you have, you have the advisor fee, right? So maybe you have someone, well, my advisor doesn't make a fee. It's free. Now think about that. Does your advisor work for free? Likely no. No, they don't work for free. So even if they're not charging you an advisory management fee, 
assets under management, which is how we charge. If you don't see an advisor fee, do you really think they're working for free? There's a way they're getting paid. You just don't know. Mm. So I like to make sure everybody understands how this is being charged. And, and there's a variety of different ways so that they can assess if it's right for them. Now, you said you didn't want to go too deep into this, but can you give us a couple of examples of, of things that we might want to look for that we're being charged that we don't realize? Absolutely. All right. So I'll give you two examples. So I actually had someone in my office the other day and there was no advisory fee on her statements. She's not getting charged that way. Instead, what her advisor does, and I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just saying this is another way of of advisors making money. You just need to know how yours is working. So on her account, she had nothing but what's called A shares or, you know, so mutual funds that the advisor purchases for her. And those mutual funds have what's called a, a load, a front end load, otherwise known as A shares. So there is a commission paid every time she is put into a mutual fund and the load could be 5.75%. It could be lower than that if she has a break point with that mutual fund company. But in other words, if she's investing $100,000 in a mutual fund, 5.75% of that 100,000 is going to the advisor, the mutual fund company. It's it's coming out of her money. So that she pays up front and then she holds that mutual fund and she doesn't get charged again unless she buys another fund, right? And it, if it's in the same fund family, there's no charge. So that's that's one style of investing. Um, now, that style has been criticized as fraught with conflicts of interest, okay? Because the advisor only makes money when they trade. right? So that incentivizes the advisor to call you up and say, "Hey Wendy, I've got you should you should buy this mutual fund. It's a really good mutual fund. Here's why." And 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 so do it, right? And so you're thinking, "Okay, well, sounds good to me." But see, the advisor's only getting paid when they when they make that that trade, which is an incentive for them to constantly make trades with you, right? And once they're paid and the money, let's say the money doesn't do well for whatever reason, well, I'd like to believe they still care about your money, but they've already been paid. So what happens next from a pure financial compensation standpoint, they don't necessarily have the incentive to care. So that's that's one style. Now there's there's a lot of people think that that's a good way of investing and there's there are maybe some reasons why that may be the case. But I don't me personally, I don't, I don't think that that's the best way of, of paying your advisor because, again, there is an embedded conflict of interest that maybe could get in the way. Another thing to look for is the back end of what these investments are costing you. And this is the one, I mean, this happens every single day in my office. I People just don't understand this. And I, I find myself wanting to like shout it from the mountaintops, like you need to know this, right? So that same mutual fund or ETF, it, this is not the case with stocks. So just mutual funds and ETFs, there is something called an expense ratio. Wendy, are you familiar with that term? No, but it sounds like it's costing something. 
you are absolutely <laughs> right. It is costing something. So this, the expense ratio is the technical term that means this is what the mutual fund company charges on an annual basis, you, the investor, so they can recoup the, the cost of, of, of their doing business. So for example, and, and it's, it's on the, it's on the prospectus. It's not like it's not there. It's just that people don't read the prospectus or oh, they no. don't understand the prospectus. Right. So I'll give you an example. There may be lots and lots of good mutual funds, right? They're all good. They all do a good job. They're reputable companies. Um, they're invested in, in a similar fashion. The management style is similar. If all other things are equal, would you rather have the mutual fund that has a high expense ratio of, let's say, 1% or the mutual fund that has a low expense ratio of 20 basis points, 0.2%? Now, before you answer that, I mean, you probably know, well, I'd rather have the low one. Sure you would. And here's why. That 20 basis points comes out of your return before it is even posted on your statement. In other words, that's what the mutual fund company is allowed to take out of the returns before they post them to pay for the cost of their doing business. So it it's a, it's expensive, right? It's something that you're paying is just not not a line item on your statement and you may not know, but research and kind of common sense tells you that wouldn't you rather have a mutual fund if all other things are fairly equal that has a low expense ratio so that you, the investor, get to keep more of your returns? So is that something that you say that we're actually in a position to choose? Sure. Who's choosing these mutual funds? Are you choosing them or is your advisor choosing them? Somebody's choosing them, right? And uh, And again, I'm talking about the expense ratio. I'm not saying that you should never have a high expense ratio mutual fund. Maybe there's only, maybe there's no other choice because this particular mutual fund does something that others don't. But I'm saying that that is a consideration to look at when you have a, a bunch of different choices that do pretty much the same thing. Why not choose the one that has a low cost that takes less out of your return? So it depends on the fund. It does. And um, advisors who are not cost conscious they may not be looking at this, but we are cost conscious for our investors. So we use nothing but low cost mutual funds uh, because we believe that we can accomplish what we need to accomplish with mutual funds and ETFs that cost less. There's just so many out there. Why choose the expensive ones? Okay. Well, let's talk about it then. Sam, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call in now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what I can expect from the first call to you letting me retire completely rich. <laughs> okay. So what you would experience. Sure. All right. So I'm assuming that you make the call. We've had a little chat on the phone. I usually start with what I call a 15 minute call, right? Because let's just see if there's something I can do to help you you can see if I'm someone you would want to come in and see again. This is just a no strings attached 15, 20 minute call. I don't sit there and start a timer or anything, but I call it my 15 minute call. So if it goes to 30 minutes, I'm not going to, you know, 
worry about it. But like that's a just kind of if you get a free estimate or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and and usually this is just over the phone. Like, what is concerning you, and and is this something I can potentially do to help you? If we feel that there's something more to talk about, sure, um, we'll go to the next step, which is let's have an hour or maybe an hour and a half long consultation. And this is also no strings attached, complimentary, no charge. We're still getting to know one another. And so I'll invite you into my office and you can come to my office or maybe we just do it by Zoom. You know, people people don't always have to come into my office. I don't, that's not required. So either way, we, we have a, a, another meeting and this time we delve into more details about what's concerning you how you feel about things, what we can potentially do to help you. It's more of a Q&A. And at the end of that meeting, you pretty much know, and I know if it's a good fit and we should take the next step. And the next step would be, let's work together and let's do the comprehensive financial plan that we're known for. So we get started we get started with a financial plan. And so what we need is all of your data, right? So we have the data gathering process. I'm gonna give you a whole list of things that I need. You can get those to me however you want. If you wanna upload them to our secure share file portal that's encrypted, you can do that. If you don't like technology and you wanna just drop it off and have you know give it to us that way, or maybe stand there and we'll quickly scan it and give you the originals back, whatever, however it works for you. If you have questions, we'll do, you know, Q&A over this process because sometimes it's not that straightforward and we you want to understand what it is we need from you. So we'll have some more Q&A, uh, data gathering type Q&A. And then we're going to have, so now we're starting to work on your financial plan, right? We're doing the financial plan that's super comprehensive. And somewhere in this process, we're going to, we're going to have another meeting with you, which I call the envision your life and values conversation. And this is a, this is a meeting on that. And by the way, that's a trademarked expression, <laughs> envision your life and values, because it's, it's so important that we're not just creating a life, you know, a financial plan without knowing what is, you know, what are your values? What are you trying to do here? What's important to you in your life? Who are the important people in your life? What are the important causes maybe that you'd like to give to at your death? And what are the train wrecks that could potentially happen in your life that could derail your quality of life that you're trying to, to have in retirement? So we have a whole host of questions during that meeting. A lot of people don't really know the answers. Oh no, you know, these are, these are easy questions. These are things like, who are your, uh, who are the important people in your life? Right. You know, tell me about your aunts, your uncles, your sisters, your brothers, your nieces, your nephews, like who are, who are the important people in your life? Everybody knows the answer to that question, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have any important causes that you absolutely want to make sure that they are, you know, that you have money for, you know, that could be a yes. It could be a no. We're going to ask them things like, okay, you have grown children, you have a grown son, a grown daughter, they're both married, they both have children, so you have grandchildren. What would you do, God forbid, if your 
son passed away prematurely. And would you step in financially to help your daughter-in-law raise your grandchild? Do they have anything in place that would make sure that that grandchild is taken care of? Or would you be financially responsible for taking care of them? Because, right? I mean, you probably would want to make sure they're taken care of. Absolutely. And this is a question, Wendy, that people don't ask. I mean, why people don't want to think morbid things. We don't want to talk about this stuff. Of course not. And, and that's okay. But my job is to think of everything that could possibly go wrong. Maybe it makes sense to put something in place. Maybe your son and your daughter-in-law have no life insurance. Maybe they have some through their work. Would it make sense for there to be some sort of term life insurance policy that maybe you, the grandparent pay for, you know, just in case something happened like that, Mm -hmm. because that would be a financial catastrophe if you think about it. And my clients are going to step in most, most of the time, right? I mean, you, most people would, and I'm looking for anything that could go wrong so that their financial plan is solid. Um, what they want to do about it is completely up to them. My job is simply to lay out the options, identify what the risks are, and then and quantify what the risks are. And then they get to choose if they want to assume the risk or transfer the risk. But my job is to do all of this question, you know, Q&A so that they're thinking about it. Gotcha. So that's the Envision Your Life and Values conversation. Just getting to know all those things, uh, whatever they are, and and trying to spot potential issues that they need to at least think about. Mm-hmm. Does it get to a point where we sit down and you're like, okay, you're going to have to curb your spending here. You're going to have to add a little more savings there. That's oh, sure. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, um, you know, that, that happens a lot. I find that the more money people make, there's a, there's a bit of a direct correlation. The more money people make, the less they know where it's going. Mm. So people sometimes, you know, nobody likes to fill out the cash flow, um, uh, Excel spreadsheet that I have, you know, I have an Excel spreadsheet, you know, I work with my clients who don't use Excel and they're, they don't like technology at all, whatever. We just, we want to find out how are you spending your money? No judgment. We just want to make sure you know where your money's going so that you can decide, is this something that's important to me? Or am I spending money on things that I'm not, uh, that aren't even important to me? And that happens more than you think. So people will, will see, oh my gosh, this is where my money's going. I don't, this doesn't align with my values. Like I don't care about this, this, and this, but my money's going there. Why? And so we can help them realign where their money's going. Maybe they'd rather direct some money. I mean, I'm just going to use an example. It's probably a bad one, but okay. Let's just say you have a Starbucks coffee habit. All right. And you're spending an enormous amount of money on Starbucks and you don't care about Starbucks. You could take that money and divert it instead to saving money for your retirement. So you can retire a year earlier than you had thought. Mm. Now I'm just giving that as a, as a simple, simplistic example, but things like this are uncovered. And again, no judgment. It's not my job to decide if something's important or not important. That's your job. I'm just telling you and helping you find what's going on eating lunch out every day, stuff like that. Yeah. If eating out 
lunch every single day prevented you from retiring two years earlier, maybe you'd eat out lunch twice a week. I mean, maybe it's not that big of a deal to you. You just didn't know. Never. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a great example. So then we move on to delivering the plan. Now this, this financial plan, so this is a, this is a big meeting. This is like a 90 minute meeting, whether it's on zoom or in person. Now we're presenting to you everything we came up with. So we're, we've scenario tested the questions that you have. Should I buy a house? Should I rent? Should I um, retire at 63? What if I want to retire at 64? You know, all, whatever the scenarios are that you can think of, plus scenarios maybe you didn't think of, but we thought of, such as what if you have a premature death? One of you, maybe you're a married couple. One of you has a premature death. Or what if there's a disability that came out of nowhere? Do you have what you think you have in terms of protection at work so that you could still retire on time? You know, essentially a disability is a forced retirement, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, what happens? What's going to happen in that situation? What if there's a long-term care event? What if, um, you know, you retire and you have a wonderful retirement, you're going on cruises and everything's going great. And then there's a long-term care event. So one of you, you or your spouse needs long-term care. And we all know long-term care is very costly. So can your plan support that? If it can't, does it make sense to get some long-term care insurance while you still can? Maybe that's important to you. Maybe it's not. Maybe your plan is doesn't need that. So we're going to uncover things like that. Does your plan work if inflation goes up? Does your plan work if taxes go up? You know, so we're testing, stress testing, all these different things that we can think of as well as the scenarios you want us to test. So that's the delivery meeting. And that's, you know, it's a lengthy meeting, but Mm -hmm. you get a lot of information. We're doing tax uh, return reviews and projections in this as well. Um, So that's part of that meeting as well. And then finally, we get to, you know, all this is passed. We've got recommendations for you, which you can take or leave. You know, we're not forcing our recommendations. And then after that, we're going to delve into your estate planning and see what documents you have and what you've put in place and ask you questions about, again, who are the important people? How do you want your money pass uh, to pass? What could go wrong there, right? I'll give you an example. If you, I'll give you an example that's in my family, okay? I have a daughter who is a medical student. She's very responsible. I would trust her with money without hesitation. So should I have, when when I pass away, should my money go outright to my daughter, the one that I just described? Should it go outright to her? She's very responsible. I have no qualms about her managing money. She's She's got a good head on her shoulders. Should I do that? So her share, should I just let her have it at my death? It goes outright to her. Any problems with that? There could be. Here's a big one. Didn't I say she's a medical student? Uh, she can see so she, all her dead. <laughs> she's going to, well, she's going to be a doctor someday, right? Right. Hopefully if things go well. So if she's a doctor and this money goes outright to her, could she possibly lose that money in a malpractice lawsuit? Is there a high possibility that she's going to be sued 
as a practicing doctor. Hmm. There is actually, um, you know, we all live in a litigious society. And did you know that doctors worry about this all the time for good reason? I mean, even if they're present in the operating room, you're just present. You're not even the one doing all the, you're present. You're going to get sued if something goes wrong. So do I really want my daughter's inheritance to be subject to creditors and predators out there? Because I didn't do proper planning because I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what questions to ask. So we're working with our clients ahead of time. Things haven't gone wrong, but we're looking at what could go wrong and how do you want that money to be protected in a circumstance like that or or maybe a second marriage? Oh my God, that's a big one. So you pass away, husband remarries, husband's new wife has other plans for your money. And money now goes to new wife's children at husband's death. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to protect against that? I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I call that accidentally disinheriting your children, right? right? So, I mean, it happens and it's not often intentional. So we're looking at how we can protect things, money, your money from things that could go wrong that haven't even happened yet. So are some of these um, examples of problems that you've solved for clients that have made them raving fans of yours? We have raving fans, but you know, it's, it's these kinds of things. Yes. It's things that, you know, I can give you some examples. Um, There we, we, we look at your tax return, right? So we don't file it. That's not our job. We don't do tax preparation, but we look at it after it's been filed and before you're ready to file the next one. And we're looking at, you know, what we can do before the year is over so we can save you money on your next tax return. That's kind of what we're trying to do. We do tax projections and tax review analysis. Well, in so doing, we've found mistakes. We found problems that, and and I'll tell you, we found mistakes CPAs have made. So it's not just mistakes that our clients who prepare their own tax returns are making, but I'll give you an example. Remember in who can forget 2020 with the COVID situation, right? I have been trying. (laughs) Well, there was some legislation here in the U.S. that if you were on unemployment, they gave you a special deduction in the year 2021. Um, So $10,200 of your unemployment compensation was not subject to tax. It was deductible, right? And our, we had a client who lost his job right at the pan, as the pandemic started, um, as so many other people did, and he was on unemployment. So he got that $10,200 deduction as, as you know, prepared by his uh, tax preparer. But as a married couple, you're entitled in community property states like mine, you are allowed that deduction times two, even if the other spouse wasn't on un- unemployment. So- that was not what was done on this tax return. He only got a $10,000 or $10,200 deduction when they were entitled to twice that. Wow. We found that. We found that. Um, so yeah, they're thrilled. I mean, who doesn't like that? Now, we've also found errors that are not in the client's favor. I, I mean, we had a, a client that didn't, they they did their own tax return and they didn't put the right amount of social security in the little box. And so they had not enough social security benefits were taxed and- that was not in their favor, but they were thrilled that someone caught it before the IRS did because, you know, we don't want tax penalties. 
So we're just looking out for our clients and we're not looking to be their tax advisor, but we're just another set of eyes looking at these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. And I'll give you one more example. Cause one this more one, example. we had a raving fan. We found her social security benefits. She didn't even know she was entitled to. Now, how does something like that happen? Well, when you're divorced, if you are married for at least 10 years to your now ex-spouse and your now ex-spouse is now on social security, you may be entitled to some social security, you know, that's directly uh, attributed to their, to them. Okay. And she just didn't think about it. She doesn't like thinking about her ex-spouse. Who who does, right? Ex-spouses, 2020. <laughs> you don't want to think about this. And though. guess what? The Social Security Administration isn't going to give you a call. Hey, Wendy, <sighs> you're leaving money on the table. You should call us and see if you can get those benefits that you're actually entitled to. They really should. They should, but they don't. <laughs> so we saw that and she was, I, you know, I gave her a call and I said, run, run, don't walk, run to your nearest social security office because you're entitled to these benefits. Very nice. I like it. Yeah, She's a raving fan. Yeah. I don't blame her. (laughs) I don't blame her at all. Okay. So Michelle, if somebody does want to get in touch with you, how do they go about doing that? Yeah. So you can find us on the internet, of course, GessnerWealthStrategies.com. Contact information is all there. G-E-S-S-N-E-R, GessnerWealthStrategies.com. Or give us a call if you have a place to write something down, 713-589-6448. Well, thank you, Michelle. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We hope you were inspired to take steps to your financial freedom as you learned new techniques and strategies for managing your finances. To learn more about how you can improve your financial landscape, visit our website at www.gessnerwealthstrategies.com. That's G-E-S-S-N-E-R wealthstrategies.com. Or give Michelle and her team a call at 713-589-6448. And don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes are available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Michelle Gessner or Gessner Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.